Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh, new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke, patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, my friends, this is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God and to stir within all of us a greater heart after God. Well, this is part 35 of our study in the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, called the Know Your Faith series. And it is going to be the second installment of the message that I brought to you last week from Luke chapter 6. And so if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, again, because there's more that we have to learn from that passage. And then, Lord willing, we'll move on to the next uh, passage right after that, verses 6 through 11. Let's first pray and uh, and let's trust the Holy Spirit to change us and transform us. And that's that's what you desire to do, Holy Spirit. You desire to use our prayers and our uh, study of your word and our obedience to shape us, to conform us, to transform us into the image of Jesus. So we surrender to you now. We invite you now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us and change us and transform us. Help us to hear with faith and obedience and discernment. And would you please bring forth great fruit for the glory of the Father and of the Son, both presently and eternally. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now it happened that he was passing, speaking of Jesus, he was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating the grain. Obviously, they were hungry. These were not wealthy men. They were actually very poor, and they had forsaken all to follow Jesus. They were living by faith. They were hungry. They were on a mission following Jesus as he was on a mission to go and preach the gospel somewhere. But some of the Pharisees, how in the world did the Pharisees see them? <laughs> well, I think it's because they were following them. The Pharisees were the religious police of Israel at the time. But some of the Pharisees, verse 2, said <clears throat> in a very demanding way, why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, the disciples in eating uh, the heads of grain and rubbing them in their hands, uh, uh, picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating the grain, that was not, the Old Testament did not forbid that. It did not prevent that. The, the oral teaching 
that the Pharisees exalted on the same level as the word of God, that is what they said was not lawful. It was not forbidden um, or, or disallowed in the Old Testament. And Jesus, verse 3, answering said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? Now, there's a reason why Jesus is referring them back to David because David was the most popular man in Israel. He was the most popular of the Old Testament. David was considered a prophet. He was a king. He was a psalmist. He was a warrior. David held a great and high place in Israel and especially among the religious leaders. So he says, have you not even read? Well, of course they read that but it never changed their lives. You see, my friends, the word of God is supposed to change us and transform us. But listen, if we don't come to the word of God with hungry hearts and an earnestness to obey and to apply what we learn and to honor God, that word is not going to do us any good, just like it didn't do the Pharisees any good. And so he says, have you not read what David did? When he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for any to eat except the priests alone and gave it to his companions. Now, what the Pharisees said was not lawful was lawful because they added to the word of God. What Jesus said, he is quoting from the Old Testament. He is quoting from Leviticus chapter 24, verse 9. Now, who is being accurate and faithful to the word of God? The very thing that the Pharisees and the scribes accused Jesus of, of, of not following the law and um, undermining the authority of the law, Jesus was never guilty of. In fact, he is upholding the law of Moses here, and they're not. There's a big difference. Well, and then he said to them, the son of, of man is Lord over the Sabbath. That means that Jesus, although he's already been showing them that he is God and man, that alone would have enraged them to the point of wanting to kill him. And we'll see that in the next passage. Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 12 verses 1 through 7, Matthew adds one more uh, thing that Luke doesn't add. And it's this. Um, let, me, let me read it from Matthew chapter uh, 12, verse 5. Jesus adds one more statement that, that Luke doesn't put in. He says, Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent. Why? Well, to, hopefully I'll get into that more with you later because of all the work that they did on the Sabbath. And that violated the oral tradition and law of the Pharisees, but the Pharisees never called out the priests in the temple. And then he says in verse 6, But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here, referring to himself. 
Verse 7, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, not a sacrifice. Quoting Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, you would not have condemned the innocent. Wow. Let me read that last verse again. Let me read verse 7 again. But if you had known what this means, again, he is calling out the Pharisees whom everyone recognized as the religious authority on the word of God. At least they were supposed to be. They put themselves up to be that way. But their hearts were so far away from God. You see, my friends, it is so easy to be a religious leader in the church and have a hardened heart and to be just like the Pharisees of old. Listen, this passage that we are reading in Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 12, oh, it has profound, urgent application to every single follower of Jesus Christ. Let me explain that more in just a moment. Let me read verse 7 again of Matthew chapter 12, Matthew's account of this. <laughs> again, this is just amazing. He says to the Pharisees, but if you had known what this means, in other words, you read it, you know it, and you don't even know what it means because you're so proud, you're so hard-hearted, you are not teachable, and you don't even have a heart to obey God. That's why you have no compassion. So he quotes Hosea to him. I desire compassion and not a sacrifice. That's a Jewish way of saying. It's called a Hebraism, which is a, an exaggeration to make a point. It is, the word in English is hyperbole. You, you make an exaggeration, you give an exaggeration to make a point. Jesus is not, he's not condemning sacrifice in the temple. But what he's saying is that compassion is more important than sacrifice. Obedience is more important than sacrifice. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, is what we read in 1 Samuel. But they didn't even understand Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, which is Jesus what Jesus is quoting from. Wow, if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Who were the innocent? His disciples. You see, my friends, what is God after? God is after people. He wants people to know him. He wants people to be free from their sin. He wants religious leaders to minister to them, to serve them, to bless them, to teach them the word of God, to be patient with them, to exercise the fruit of the spirit with them. Are you doing those things? Especially if you are a leader, are you living this way? Or are you more like the Pharisees? Who, who just did not care about people. What are some characteristics 
of modern day Pharisees. I wrote down 16 characteristics of modern day Pharisees. These are just things that I observe in the lives of the Pharisees then, and I have observed them in the lives of religious leaders and Christians even today. Number one, someone that is a modern day Pharisee is in a position of leadership for himself and not for God. How, how can you see that, discern it, understand it in your own life or in the life of another? Well, <clears throat> let's go on. They are carnal minded. They are very concerned about the kind of clothes that they wear because they're they're looking to make an outward show to people. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't dress nice. I'm not saying that we shouldn't wear a suit or a, a jacket when we, uh, a sports coat or a, a dinner jacket when we preach. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, and you know it, when you see religious leaders that parade their fancy suits around because what they're basically saying is God has favored me because of what I wear. That's how the Pharisees dressed. That is how they dressed. They dressed better than anyone else and they wanted people to know it. That is worldly, my friend. That is carnal. That The Pharisees were greedy. Jesus pointed that out and called them out on that over and over and over in the Gospels. That's why we call this the Know Your Faith series, because we want to understand the Gospels. Jesus constantly called them out as greedy. They were greedy sexually. That's why they were always divorcing their wives and marrying others. They were arrogant. They were proud. They were unwilling to listen to others. They refused to apologize when they were wrong. Oh, how many Christians do, do I see, have I seen for all my years as a believer that they don't even, they refuse to apologize when they're wrong. How in the world can you be a Christian and not humble yourself before someone else? How can you be a Christian and not ask for forgiveness for your own sins in word, thought, and deed toward others? And if you're like that, you are going to wound people. You are going to dishonor God. There's no question about it. People are going to look at you and say, if that is what a Christian is like, I don't want anything to do with it. That's why I'm asking, my friends, and the title of this message again is, are you like Jesus or are you like a Pharisee? They're dogmatic in areas where they should be giving grace. This is a great example that these men were hungry. They were not flaunting the Sabbath. They were hungry. And the word of God makes allowance for those who are hungry. But the Pharisees, because they had so many rules and regulations that were not in the word of God, they said that the disciples were sinning and they were not sinning. And Jesus told them that. A modern day Pharisee 
just doesn't give grace to people. He is dogmatic. He is hard. He is heavy-handed. And so a modern-day Pharisee shows no mercy toward others, especially those who fail. I was told by some pastors in rural Kenya many years ago that in a worship service, if a, because the, the reason I asked is that there was a woman, uh, he, the pastor had asked me to dedicate several uh, children to the Lord in the middle of the service. And I think there were about three or four children, but one child only had its mother, there was no father around. And so I said to the pastor after the service, where was the husband and why Why was this woman, she was so downcast, she barely even smiled. It should have been a time of great rejoicing. Um, she was heavy hearted. I don't think she even lifted up her head. And in it, in it, it burdened me, and I wanted to know why. I wasn't upset. I wasn't angry. I felt for the woman. I knew something was wrong, and sure enough, the pastor said her husband had been murdered. I don't remember if it was a week before that or two weeks before that. <laughs> well, you can imagine how burdened this woman was, A, that her husband was no longer with her, B, that she that he would not be helping her to raise this child. She was a young woman. And see that in a time that should have been great rejoicing was ended up a time of great sadness because she couldn't share her joy with her husband. And I said to the pastor afterwards, you know, I, I noticed this woman during worship and there just was no joy in her. And I understand why there was no joy. This is a woman that should be ministered to. Someone should take special time. Some of the women in the church should take special time to sit down with this woman and listen to her. Let her pour her heart out and, and ask her, how can we pray for you? You see, my friends, this is a great opportunity for the body of Christ to come together and minister to someone who is hurting. And he said to me, do you know that in most churches, if this woman didn't clap her hands during worship or raise her hands during worship, the, the quote, man of God might kick her out of the service. He might question whether she's born again. He might order her out of the service and tell her, don't come back until you're ready to be joyful. That, that is an example of a Pharisee. They are not teachable because they believe that no one knows the word of God better than them. They are unconcerned with anyone who can't benefit them, especially financially. Modern-day Pharisees love the praise of men just like the Pharisees in Jesus' time. Modern-day Pharisees are inaccessible. They come in like heroes to preach the Word of God, and when they're done, they leave, and you can't get a word with them. And God forbid that they should, that they should stay around and pray for needs. 
Are you kidding me? They view themselves as above everybody else. That means, that, and consequently, they are aloof. That is, they're distant. You can't get to them. They're harsh. They are critical. Number 11, they have no heart for the unsaved. They don't think a drunkard can be saved. They don't think a prostitute can be saved. They don't think that a criminal can be saved. And they never go share the gospel with others. They have no heart for the insignificant. No heart for the insignificant. They are domineering. That is, they are authoritarian. You do what they tell you to do. You jump when they tell you to jump. You dance when they tell you to dance. You shout when they tell you to shout. You do everything to please them and to suit them. And they believe that they're above reproach. Now, I want to ask you, I've given you 13 characteristics already. Let me ask you this question. In every one of those characteristics or any of those characteristics, can you say Jesus was like that? <laughs> You're talking about the Lord of glory himself who, say, who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Didn't Jesus say to his own disciples, if you want to be great, be a servant of all? Didn't John the Baptist said, say he must increase, but I must decrease? How many, how many Christian leaders do that today? How about James who called himself a bondservant of the Lord? Or Paul in many of his letters? Or Peter called themselves bondservants of the Lord? Yes, sometimes they use the word apostle, but in the same sentence, they would use the word bondservant. Have you ever heard a Christian leader call himself a a servant of the Lord. Was Jesus was Jesus greedy or did he show off his his clothes? Was he arrogant? Was he unwilling to listen to others? Did he show mercy toward others? Was he concerned about the hurting, the downcast, the outcast? Was he concerned about the praise of men? No, he wasn't. Was he inaccessible? Are you kidding me? He was more accessible than anybody. Was he aloof? No way. He was always with people. Was he harsh? No, he wasn't. Was he critical? No, he wasn't. Did he have a heart for the unsaved? You better believe he did. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. A modern-day Pharisee reads the Bible to substantiate his own convictions, not to be shaped into God's image. So he finds places in the Bible to support his own doctrines, which are most of the time wrong, but he doesn't read the Bible to become closer to the Lord, to be shaped and transformed into the image of Jesus, to be equipped to minister to others. Are you kidding me? 
Their lives, a modern-day Pharisee, his life or her life does not match their convictions. They preach one way and they live another. And they love titles and status and celebrity. Jesus called them out repeatedly because they had turned the holy, loving religion of God into a criminal religion. He said, it is written, my father's house is to be a house of prayer for all the nations and you have turned this thing into a den of iniquity because they were getting rich off of the Jews who came to Israel to worship Yahweh and they charged them higher prices than they were supposed to for the sacrificial animals. You see, my friends, this, this is a, it's a not an easy message to preach. And I believe me, I am, I am allowing the Holy Spirit to examine my own life to be sensitive to anything in my life that is not pleasing to him. And what do I do with that? I repent of my sin. And what does he do? He forgives me. And then he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I am trusting the Holy Spirit right now that there are men and women all over this listening audience, that there are Christian leaders who are pierced to the heart because they see far more Pharisee in themselves than they do Jesus. Listen, my friend, I am not bringing this message to condemn you. I am not. I am not perfect. But I do value the gift of repentance, which I take advantage of, it seems like, on a daily basis. And if you will humble yourself before the Lord and ask Him to forgive you, He will. And if you will ask Him to change you and transform you to be like Jesus, He will. It's not going to happen overnight. This is going to take a lifetime. Will you join me, my friend, to seek to put Jesus above yourself in every area of your life and treat your wife the way he wants you to treat her, which you can find in the word, especially in the one another's. Treat your children the way Jesus would treat your children. Let me tell you something. Jesus would never beat your wife. He would never beat your children. Spanking is one thing, but with self-control and on the rear end, not beating someone and humiliating a child. Develop, my friend, the fruit of the Holy Spirit especially humility and self-control. Read about it, the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Let me pray for you now. And if you need to repent, let me just lead you in a prayer 
of repentance. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to forgive me for being more like a Pharisee instead of being more like you, Lord Jesus. Help me to please you and honor you and, and to glorify you with my life in the way that I treat others. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I look forward, Lord, to how you're going to change me and transform me. And I offer this prayer with faith and anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.